Welcome to Mastermind, the show where you learn to develop and master your skill from the best of the best. Yes, your host, Mr. G. Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today on a journey towards self mastery. Our guest today is the best of the best in the world of fashion. He was born in Nigeria and had dreams of taking fashion by storm. After attending fashion school in New York, he was able to turn his dreams into a reality. He's one of the best in the fashion world. He has been in the industry for over 20 years. He now has his own company in Newey, New York, as well as his own fashion label, City Jump. His main facility for manufacturing is in China and has partnerships with factories in Portugal, Brazil, China, the Czech Republic, Italy, Indonesia, Jordan, India, and Turkey. He works with the best designers around the world and provides his own products for celebrities around the world, including Oprah, the WNBA, and more. He also is a co-host on a podcast called Fashion Lab that is designed to provide information and education about the fashion industry while creating new pathways for fashion and design in Africa. When he's not doing all that, he's traveling to different schools to teach students about the fashion industry and even providing internships to help facilitate the growth and development of young people in the industry that look like him. Very important. Let's welcome today, E.G. Benson to the program. E.G., how you doing Thank today? You. I'm fine, man. I'm fine. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to join you. It's so funny because, um, you know, I don't even consider myself a big fashion guy, but, you know, it's about people's minds, man. And I think we, we definitely have similar goals. And, it's but, true. <laughs> with the whole fashion thing, my, my, my dad was the fashion guy, like in the family, man. So my dad was like heavy into suits and, you know, <laughs> jewelry and the fashion and, just different things, man. So I know he will be excited to hear this type of program. Right? <laughs> Kudos to him, man. We need those. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I learned a lot watching my dad dress up and, you know, doing certain things growing up, man. So it's true. Um, I, I learned a lot about just the industry, putting yourself together and all this kind of stuff, which is very important. Very, um, so yeah, man. Uh, so let's get, let's get this thing started, man. How you feeling today? I'm very good, very, very good, and very excited and feeling really um privileged to be here and to share with, share my story and share our story and um so I think our goals are the same lift ourselves up <laughs> absolutely man absolutely yeah, man. Yeah. I can tell people man there's a world of black people that that want to do this work, and I know like we don't see it in the news, we don't see it in the media but it is out there and we are exposing that for sure. All right, man, let's, let's, let's get started from, from the beginning, man. I know, you know, you were born in Nigeria, um, mm. and everything. So can, can you get started with, with that, like with that story and how you kind of got into the fashion industry? So it's very interesting. My, my relationship to fashion, I would say I would, I was born into, um, a fashion, a fashion family in an African way. In that my my mom was a seamstress and my uncle had one of the biggest tailoring stores, tailoring shops in my town. Um, so I grew up surrounded by clothing, by seamstresses and just the 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 um, 
all the all the all the things that surround making clothes, whether it's the sewing machine, the ironing, and all of those things. For the for the um, we use charcoal, and you put in a big uh, metal iron, and you iron your clothes. So I grew up with so many curiosities around fashion, mm-hmm. and I remember my mom used to make clothes for me and my my little sister. And we would wear them because where we live, it rains for like nine months a year. So it's always raining. So we would wear these things in the rain and then the rain would just wash the clothes off our body. <laughs> so it was something that stayed with me, you know. Um, so when I was about nine, I think, maybe about, no, I was there when I was around six, I was already at, by the age of six, I had read probably, I don't know, maybe four, four Shakespeare books. My dad mm. was very serious about me reading, and he felt like the Shakespeare's were a good way to introduce me to reading because they were storybooks, mm. you know? So by the time I was about seven or eight, I was, I was, you know, reading takes you somewhere, right? Right. Of course, yeah. Yeah, reading a book transports you somewhere. The reading kind of transports you somewhere. And from that reading, I started to get a good appreciation of music. You know how, like, I moved from reading to music. Mm-hmm. And, and the radio became, like, one of my biggest instruments. So through the radio, I could, I could, I could, I could listen to music and I could transport myself somewhere. And I, I remember the first thing I ever listened in on the radio that really took me somewhere was listening to a guy called Casey Kesam, who was like an old DJ, and he played this song called Whip Appeal. Hmm. The first time I heard that song, it just made me dream dreams that were so big. And for some reason, those dreams stayed with me. He was a Nigerian artist? No. We Feel was a song by Babyface, and this oh, okay. guy, yeah. this guy was an old American DJ. So this radio, this program would come on the radio at home in Nigeria, in my village. Mm-hmm. So I listened to it, and then it just, it began this romance mm-hmm. with the outside world, with fashion, and just, um, rom- just the whole, I think, I was in love with music. Uh, the fashion was already in me, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, the music developed my innate desire to look good <laughs> and to find fashion, right? Uh-huh. So, and as I grew older, I went to a boarding school, and at the boarding school, although we were black students mostly, but the boarding school was run by a white uh, Catholic church. Right? Mm-hmm. So the teachers came from all over the world. We had video, we had like film weekends and stuff. So we watched a lot of videos and we watched a lot of movies, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of films. And so this transportation continued, you know? Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was out of high school and ready for college, I knew I wanted to study fashion. Mm. But, it seemed, <clears throat> seemed like it but, was in the cards, man. Like, yeah, but of course, my parents didn't understand what fashion was. They knew. They, so my dad was like, so why would you want to go to study fashion? We're already a tailor. What is the <laughs> difference? You know? 
So I was like, I think that, of course, I didn't understand the difference, but I, I was saying, I think there is a difference, you mm. know? So in my understanding, fashion was about beauty. Mm-hmm. Tailoring was about making those clothes, you know? Mm. You know, so that was the beginning of the seeds. And then eventually, at first I studied advertising and marketing, but the fashion thing just stayed there. Right. So, so I can remember like from once that romance was growing and I started to sketch clothes. So by the time I was in high school, and by the time I went to university, I had a collection of sketches that mm-hmm. were as old as when I had started sketching. Wow. And I could see how my sketches were developing. So when I actually started applying for schools, I started to show my sketches, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, so when I went to meet like guiding counselors and stuff, I could show them what I had been thinking, mm-hmm. you know? So, so what, what were the sketches like? What, what were you designing at the time? I, I, at the time, what I designed was what I saw, right? Mm-hmm. What I saw in my head was different from what I saw physically, meaning I, I was in an African village, right? Mm-hmm. So in my head, I had a different idea of beauty, mm. but I had no access to that beauty. Mm. But what I saw physically was what I designed around, like women in long skirts, big butts, and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. You know? <laughs> but I started to formulate ideas about clothing. Right. So so by the time I I went to college, by the time I was in fashion school already, those things became a huge archive for me mm-hmm. to look back at how I thought about fashion when I was very young, you know? Um, yeah, so for me, that was the beginning. This radio show, this 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 love affair I had with clothing, mm-hmm. um, these dreams I had about a, a world outside of Africa. I didn't know where that world was, but I wanted to be to be involved in fashion, to be involved in, in beauty. And then I started to find um, fashion icons around us in Nigeria, like fashion schools and, and people who did things about fashion, magazines. Mm-hmm. And I even enrolled in a modeling agency. So I did everything to kind of, I don't know, bring myself as close as possible to it. But I was in Africa, and, and you know, and the, the industry wasn't, it wasn't a glamorous industry, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just what people did, you know. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so what was that process like of you now transitioning into New York? Like, how did things happen for you to get to New York? So, when I was at home in Nigeria, for me to study fashion, I had to leave the village and go to a town called Abuja, which is the the new capital of Nigeria. Okay. Mm-hmm. There. I was, I got a job in this hotel, right? Some mm-hmm. white company had just come up to open a hotel. So I joined to be like a housekeeper, you know? Mm-hmm. So how old are we talking here? So I was probably like, I had just finished, I had just finished high school. Right. And I was just preparing to go to college. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wanted to study fashion, of course. But I couldn't get a fashion school. Then I thought maybe I'll study mass communication, which was journalism. Mm-hmm. And um, that didn't pan out. So I just said, I'll get a job, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to get this job. 
So this was, um, this was like 90, it's early, like 95 or some, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. I got this job. And then when I got this job, every minute that I had, right? Mm-hmm. Free. I would be sketching, right? <laughs> it was incredible. So the lady who was my boss, she's a white lady. And they made me a supervisor for some reason. They thought maybe I dressed well or whatever, you know. So they made me a supervisor. <laughs> man, how but far I, you go with the image, man. That's important. I know. Man. But I spent so much time sketching. <laughs> so she she called me to our office one day and she said, Hey, G, what do you want to do? Hmm. I said, I wanted to be a fashion designer. That I've been trying to go. My dream is to go to a fashion school. And she said, Why? I said, it's really what I want to do. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what that word meant. Mm. But to me, it meant like GQ magazine, because now I was exposed to this now. I was, mm-hmm. I was in the city now. I was exposed to GQ. I was exposed to Vogue. I was actually like, I took whatever little money I had and I, and I, I, I subscribed to GQ, mm. but I was in Nigeria, you know? Mm-hmm. My my January subscription will come in like June, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was okay, you know. <laughs> so, so she said, "So you want to do this?" I said, "Yes." So for right. two years, for two years, she just monitored me, right? Mm-hmm. And then one day she said, "If you ask your father, right, mm-hmm. that it's if your father says it's okay, I will send you to Dubai." Wow. If you go to Dubai, it will be easier for you to get the visas to study outside this fashion thing that you want to study. I think this is the first time I'm telling this story, to be honest. Oh, with you. man. You get the yeah. first scoop. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, so she wanted me because at this point, in these two years I was at that school, mm-hmm. at the job, I had applied to schools in Italy. I had applied to schools everywhere. Mm-hmm. I will get the admissions, but for me to get a visa to Italy, right? Mm-hmm. They would they would have to interview me at the embassy on the phone, and I had to speak in Italian, so it didn't really wow. make sense. <laughs> so it, it was so complicated, you know. So she said, "If your dad agrees, mm-hmm. I can send you outside. When you go outside, I have people that I know that could help you." Mm-hmm. I went to speak to my dad again. We had that conversation about the difference between fashion design and a tailor, and a tailor again with my dad. <laughs> and then, of course, he said, okay, you can do this. So I got my passport. She sent me to Dubai. I worked at the hotel for a year. And then she arranged for my visa to be transferred to a friend of hers that she knew who runs um, a company a stock exchange company and they do all their training in the United States. So mm. he moved me to her so that she moved me to that job. He accepted me and then he sent me to the United States as one of his employees to learn about stocks. Wow. And when I got here the next day I got here March I think March twenty fifth or so right. of two thousand uh, nineteen ninety eight. Mm-hmm. That was just before the beginning of summer classes, mm-hmm. and three days later I was in fashion school. Wow! But my fashion school was in Chicago. 
Chicago, yeah. But it was in Chicago, but you were you were in New York? Yeah, so that so <laughs> yeah, so I went to fashion school in Chicago and then I graduated fashion school in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the day that I three days after graduating fashion school in Chicago, I moved with my girlfriend that we went to school together to New York and set up our own company. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so that's... I have actually never worked for anybody. That is amazing, man. Yeah. You know, it's funny too, like sometimes like with students, young people, you'll be like, you know, well, when you get the job and yeah, somebody hires you and some people will be like, somebody hires me. I'm not working for anybody. Like, and then they always get the, you got to work for somebody like before you step up and do it. And that's not true, man. That's so like, no. I'm glad you said that, man, because it's not true at all. No, it's not true. I think, I think everybody has a trajectory. The funny thing is you don't, I don't think it's we we actually are masters of our trajectory, right? Mm. I feel like our trajectory follows our minds, like and the and the opportunities we are willing to take advantage of mm-hmm. along the way. Because because there could be a lot of opportunities if you don't take advantage of them of course, you know. Right. Yep. So it's very hard to figure out what your trajectory is. It's your trajectory I think is determined by the opportunities that you seek out. Mm. You know? And the ones that you're vigilant enough to see. You know, so for us and you know it's funny, when I was in high when I was in college learning fashion, mm-hmm. I was so lucky that I was such I was a good student. I won I won like a an award for good students or whatever. <laughs> but uh-huh. but my my counselor though was a black lady mm. and she 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 never hesitated to tell me that now you have to remember I'm from Africa mm-hmm. my realities are different right I I don't I have not experienced racism mm. and even when I experienced it I didn't know it was racism you know mm. mm-hmm. so I had no concept of it. You you know? to the US. <laughs> yeah, but even when, but now I'm, I'm three years, two years in the US, I still don't have a concept of it, right? right. I don't understand it as much as you would, right? right? Right. So she was telling me how difficult it is to get a job when you're a black person. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it just, it just hit me. You know what? So as we sat in class, I found out that a lot of my friends, a lot of my classmates didn't like particular things like pattern making. They didn't mm. like sewing a lot, you know. But those are the skill bases, the skill sets that you can actually acquire while in fashion school. Mm. You could That's learn. Important. To, yeah, you could learn to sew. You could learn to drape. You could learn to make patterns. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know what? I better be good at this because who's going to hire me? Mm. So that's what. So when I. When I finished school, I was already good at draping, good at pattern making, good at sewing. But I was already good at sewing before I, I even went to high school. Mm-hmm. But my my fear was that I wouldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. So I didn't bother to look for a job. Wow. I, we finished. We set up our companies. I was delivering newspapers in the morning. And in the daytime, we would just be working on our little company doing patterns and applying for pattern jobs, you know? Wow. And we, we got lucky. We got recommended by companies. So we did patterns for a company in New York that was so well known for being the ultimate design company. 
and mm-hmm. they had been struggling with certain collections that they wanted to do. Nobody could do the pattern for them for like two years. And they gave us a shot and we got it done for them. Wow. So that was the beginning of us going from Trias for to Bill Blast to Vera Wang to Kate Spade to opening ceremony, Chloe and all of these companies. You know, but it was just that little thing. This company couldn't do their pattern. We were able to do it. Mm-hmm. And that became, so we, we didn't operate as designers. We operated as development, as a development company for designers. So maybe wow. they don't know how to, they don't want to design. We do it. They don't want to do patterns. We do it. They don't want to sew. They don't want to drape. All of that. So we then set up a factory in China with partners that we had already. Mm-hmm. And then we moved. We then told the designers that we can, we not only can produce the samples for you, we can make it for you. We can deliver this collection, drop it in your stores all over the world. Yeah, that, that is you interesting. Know? I know you yeah. probably heard from people like, why did you guys go to China? Like, why can't you just stay in the U.S.? So what, what, what do you usually say when people tell you that? Like, why you couldn't stay in the U.S. and just do the business from there? For us, it was, it's funny, like, when you are inside, uh-huh. you know what's inside. When you're outside, you don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, an outsider can ask that question, it's, it's very pertinent, mm-hmm. but as an insider, I would not, I would even, because that question is so passe, like, <laughs> so, so, so manufacturing, by nature, is all about capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Capacity means can you make it, can you deliver it in two days like you said you would? Mm-hmm. Can you make 10 pieces, deliver them tomorrow? That's capacity. Right. And it, it entails skills, right? It means skills, um, structure, uh, equipment, you know, skill meaning the people, mm-hmm. structure meaning the operation. Right. And then the equipment, right? So, when we started making those samples in the United States, we went from one sower to five, to two, to three, to six. By the time we were at six sowers, right? Mm-hmm. It cost us $26,000 a, a month for six what? sowers. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> it also, it also took us average of a month to find each a month to two months to find each additional sower. Wow. So it Because they weren't in demand, I'm guessing they, they, there wasn't a high supply of sowers? There's no, su- there's no supply. Wow. So there, that's your capacity question, right? So when people say China, it's just capacity. They have the numbers. And also, if I make it here, I would have to go to it. When I go to the sample room to make, to a factory in the United States to make, they're going to charge me for the pattern. They're going to charge me for this and for that and for sewing, cotton sew and all of that. Mm-hmm. When I do them in my factory in China, we don't do that. We tell you you will pay five bucks. We don't mm-hmm. itemize all our costs for you. That So capacity allows us to enjoy economies that we can pass down to the buyer, to the, to the customer, you know? Right. right. The scale... The scale there. So the, the reason we went to China was purely economics. Purely capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to ask designers, man, like, how do you, how do you guys go about deciding the price on kind of, you know, the things that you want to sell? Like, 
So when you're when you're designing material, coats, jackets, boots, shoes, sweaters, jeans, like how do you decide how much am I going to sell this for? So this is very interesting, very interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting question. The reason being that there's such a thing as perception and there's mm-hmm. such a thing as real cost, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're creating a brand, if someone out there you're thinking of creating a brand, well, in the pyramid of brands, mm-hmm. where does your brand, where do you see your brand? So let's say that, let's say that Gucci is luxury, right? Mm-hmm. Premium luxury, for instance. Mm-hmm. And let's say that, um, so Gucci's premium luxury. Which other brand would I say? Let's say another brand is like mid luxury, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say there's, a, there's also just, um, like value, like a value brand, maybe like, I don't know, um, Anklein or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a very low brand like uh, H&M and stuff, right? Right. So in your idea of your brand, where are you? If you think you're Gucci, well, the Gucci shoes are $600, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're, if, you're, if you're going to sell at Gucci price, where are you making your shoes, right? Mm-hmm. For instance. So if you feel... But your shoes are being made in comparable circumstances and comparable um, with comparable quality to Gucci, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no reason. So maybe they cost you eighty dollars to make, mm-hmm. but the Gucci shoes are six hundred. There's no reason why you cannot charge them at anywhere between four eighty to five eighty, because yep. that's where you feel. Mm-hmm. So that's the perception of the brand. And the quality perception that you have thought about mm-hmm. in creating that that product. Yeah, that's so interesting because it, it reminds me of like Kanye West mentality with 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 his gear and his stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I know people are like, "Well, why is he selling a T-shirt for like fifty dollars?" You know, like the the price points that he points sometimes, and he makes that same kind of statement where it's like, "Well, you're buying Gucci for blah 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 blah, or you're buying Louis Vuitton for blah 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 blah," but now, as a black man, I'm selling this product, and you're you're saying that I should be cheap with it, and I don't feel like it's a cheap product, you know. So that that's really like it really just reminded me of that, like with Kanye. See, so like, see, like our basketball shoe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Corys, right? All the Cory shoes, mm-hmm. and the, the the Dame shoes for Damian uh, Lillard, Lillard, mm-hmm. and uh, another shoe. They are made in the same factory with my with my shoe, right? Really? And that's the, the shoe with the WNBA, right? That you yes. Know? Okay. Yes. The, te- the technology is the same. Hmm. I have no reason to charge it lower than theirs. Hmm. Yes, they have a bigger name, but that product is exactly the same from a quality point, from a technology point. So you can charge, you can stand on that and say, this is what my product costs. Hmm. Now, now there's a general rule that if you make it for twenty dollars, you want to sell it for twenty. You want to sell it for two and a half times or five times, depending if it's wholesale or retail, right? Right. But that is a lot of it is the the your position as a brand. Mm-hmm. I think is a big factor in determining the price. Now you can sell it. You can put it on sale. 
but the customer understands this mm-hmm. was your original price, right? Right. And you know that that also reminds me too of just like art within it. You know, designing is an art form, but yes. just art within itself. You have the artist that that will make the painting or whatever it is, and the supplies they use are pretty cheap. Like it's not expensive to get brushes and paint and a canvas and things like that, right? But when the art is finished, they can decide if this artwork is going to be a million dollars or you know twenty dollars. <laughs> so it's it's kind of in the same I guess vicinity as that. At least like when I think about it. I think, I think, I think you have to, I think, I think your brand is you, right? Mm-hmm. How much value do you attach to you? Absolutely. How much work, how much work in reality have you put towards this, you know? Mm-hmm. Because we go through a whole lot to get these brands out, to get this. So, so I make, like for Harrods or whoever, I make something for, so I make, maybe I make a skirt for $54, right? Mm-hmm. That skirt is two hundred and fifty dollars somewhere, or three hundred dollars somewhere. Right? Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I made that skirt, right? So when I'm making my own brand, mm-hmm. making it in the same way, why can't I charge it the same way? Absolutely. I know the DNA of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think pricing a, a big part of a big part of perception and perception of you as a brand like I, I really personally think myself man just African people all over the continent have some of the best fashion sense in the world man and you can see it you can see it through just what they wear the materials like the style of dress everything so I could definitely see you know just the what what exposure would bring you know what I mean to, to the fashion world um, from Africa definitely like right now, we feel like it's such, it's, Africa is like such a, such a, a, a minefield in terms of fashion ideas, right? Mm. It's like the Peruvians, right? Their textile ideas are so old and deep, right? Mm-hmm. In Africa, we have incredible fashion, man, textile ideas, textile cultures, right? Mm-hmm. But the one, the the ones the the West pick out the most is our prints, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the least of our influence. You know, mm-hmm. our our influence is in the textures and in yes. our shapes, yes. our shapes and silhouettes, right? Absolutely. So so African designers have so much like just to offer. You know, so we are super excited about that. Agree, yeah. definitely agree yeah. on that. What advice would you have for those? young designers out there that are listening to you and are imagining themselves in your position in 10, 20, 30 years, like what advice about the industry and just your experiences would you have for them to help guide them through that? What I would say is that um, because the industry is always changing, what I went through may not be what they go through, mm-hmm. but the most important thing is for them to just be passionate about their art and about themselves, about who they want to be. Like, so, can you tell us, like, the story with, with how you got involved with Oprah and, you know, the rugs and everything? So, I have a friend of mine I knew while I was in fashion school. He used to come. I was interning at a public store, mm-hmm. and his name is Ned Bakers, and he used to come and shop there. He used to make, um, like, 
decorations for different homes in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we became really close. He's like this really cool looking guy. Like if you saw him, it's so, it's so difficult not to fall in love with Nate because he's just a beautiful guy and he's always well dressed and it's just so cool to deal with. Uh-huh. So we became, we came really very close. And then he started, he started being the decorator for Oprah, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I started, before I went to fashion school, I had met this company in Dubai that made rugs in South Africa. And I was telling the lady like a joke, like, I'm going to fashion school now. When I finish fashion school, I'm going to call you. We're going to make some rugs together. <laughs> it's like a joke, you know? Uh-huh. But she, I kept her card. And four years later, I called her mm-hmm. after fashion school. She remembered me. And although we were working on our fashion side, I took the time to develop this rug. It took me like a year to develop some rugs with her. Right. And then when we went, they were done, my friend now, Nate, was big now. He was developing, he was designing for Oprah, decorating for Oprah. It was a big company now. And my friend was working with him, another friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So when my first rugs came, I called her and I said, you know what? I've been developing these rugs. They are here. I think Nate will love them. So I took them there. Mm. And the rest was history. <laughs> so Nate has been the singular most supportive, um, I don't know, partner for me in my rug company. Mm-hmm. You know, and then... Last year, that rock company grew a lot. This year, actually, I sold half of it, a part of it, to another company in Chicago, and it allowed us to grow this company. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 um it's growing. That's um, amazing. That's amazing. So I think the moral for this one is just I think I don't know. I think it's important for us to develop relationships along the way. Absolutely. <laughs> you just mm-hmm. never know. Yeah. Man. You can't get yeah. can't get there alone. You can't get there by yourself. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Um now we usually ask guests before they leave us to leave us with their favorite quote and what it means to them. Do you have a quote that, that you like to use it um a lot or anything you can think of? No, I don't I don't have like I have right now in my head, I can't remember. Uh-huh. But there's something there's something my auntie told me that has stayed with me for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in this other partnership that didn't work so well, she said to me, your love can't be that cheap. Mm. So it basically she's telling me that I needed to have more value for myself, you know? Mm-hmm. That I can't always, um, I can't always go low because people want to meet me lower instead of meeting me higher, you know? Mm. You know? That is like powerful. I, sh- I should elevate, continue to elevate myself. Like I shouldn't be afraid to walk away from something because I felt it was beneath me, you know? Absolutely. Because the reason why that was important because when you're a black person and trying to thrive in an industry that doesn't have a lot of you, mm-hmm. sometimes you take a lot of trash. Because you just want to be in the heat, right? Mm-hmm. So you might just drag you to the bottom of the heat. But for you, 
you think that the price of being a part of it, being part, participating, you forget that you're actually so integral in it, in making it work, that if you walked away, it wouldn't even work for them. Mm. You know, but I never realized that. But when she told me that, it really started to shift my thinking. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That is so powerful, man. Just yeah. knowing your worth, your value. Yeah. Just in yeah. all areas of life. That's so important, man. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. EG, I feel like I could talk to you for like, for like, <laughs> a straight day. Like, it's great. Like yeah. my long lost brother, man. That yeah. Is, it's um it's been an absolute pleasure man having you on the program and just the amount of gems is amazing man i'm sure there's some things that people heard that they didn't know about the the industry that you enlightened us on man we appreciate that man thank you thank you so much for coming on man um for the young people or anybody that that would like to reach you and um ask some questions or possibly young people that want to reach you for an internship uh where can they find you uh, that would be so amazing because I think, I think, I think it's important for them to know that it's just not me. It's not just me alone. There's so many of us mm-hmm. who are out there that can help them, you know, so they can reach me at, so my company is anyway. The, the easiest thing would be on my Instagram, which would be anyway New York. That's mm-hmm. the Instagram for my company. And then. And how do you depends. spell it? E-N-N-U-I, mm-hmm. New York Info, E-N-N-U-I-N-E-W-Y-O-R-O-K, and we New York at Instagram, mm-hmm. and Edgy Benson at Instagram. They can always leave me a, a direct message, and um, yeah, and I'm so happy that we have gotten to talk and we've gotten to have this relationship, um, because I think what you are doing is so important. And um, we need these young kids. And so working with you, whatever you might need, um, just feel free to reach out to us. Man, that we we yeah. appreciate that. Man. That is yeah. that's love, man. That's love. Forget about what we hear about. And when these guys get out there in the world, they don't want to help people that they grew up with in their co- Man, that stuff is not true at all, man. And you can, yeah. if you listen to this program enough, you will know it's not true. And he just told us, man, like when we need him, just shout them out, man. So if you guys have trouble finding him on the, you know, his social media or wherever, you can reach us, mastermind, you know, send us an email. Um, and what about the people that want to listen to your podcast? Is you let me find that? So we are on fashionlabafrica.com. So mm-hmm. all our podcast is on there. And you can also find us on iTunes, uh, the podcast iTunes. And, uh, yeah, that's where you, you can, you can find us. And, oh, one more thing that we are doing before we leave. So we do have a store called The Narrative. Mm-hmm. It's in Brooklyn. The Narrative caters mostly to minority designers. So, there's a designer out there who is who wants to be showcased in a store, who wants to be part of a store. They can they can reach me through those Instagram. They can also go to the narrative the the, the narrative on Instagram. Uh, it's just the narrative. They can leave a DM there for mm-hmm. us. Um, we are also creating uh, a story portal for them to tell their stories directly, their design stories. Oh, wow. It's, okay. it's called Scene as part of the narrative. 
Um, so we're all in this together. All we're trying to do is just make sure there's enough of us doing this. Mm. Yeah. There you have it. Guys, there, there should be no reason that if you're interested in fashion that you're not emailing this guy and hitting him up on social media, hitting out, hitting us up if you can't get to him, which I'm sure that's not going to be a possibility. Um, but there's no reason that you know, we can't help you help you get to where you want to be if you're interested in fashion. Why not speak to somebody that has the knowledge, the experience that can get you there? You know, we can't do it all alone. So definitely use this as a resource, please. And again, it's been a pleasure, man, having you on the program. And man, I, I feel like I learned so much, man. And I'm... <laughs> We I'm are so, learning. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And I'm so motivated, man, just to, to think that you didn't have to work for anybody, really, man. Just that you were able to take this idea and this self-confidence and manifest it into your, your, your brand, into yourself. And that, that's powerful, man. And I think that yeah. we all have that ability. We all have the power to be able to do that. You know, we just have to find it in ourselves and find that passion that's going to you know, give us that motivation for us to do it. So guys, thank you for listening to the program. It has been a pleasure. Um, if you are not motivated, I don't know what to tell you because I'm like super <laughs> duper motivated right now. Um, and it's been really fun. And yeah, like uh, definitely hit us up if you have questions or anything. And uh, remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind. <laughs>